What does it take to become an elite 40k player? How do the top competitors overcome bad dice? The Competitive 40k Network presents Art of War Unbroken. Insight into the game plans of the top players on the planet with your hosts, Blake Law and the Art of War Coaches. Welcome back to Art of War Unbroken. This is part two of the episode, so if you haven't listened to part one yet, go check it out. We're joined again today by Justin Curtis, longtime Adepticon judge, world-class player, current Chaos Lord, and I'm once again joined by my co-host, Mr. Brad Chester, someone you should all be very familiar with, longtime elite player. He's old. We all get it. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I love everything about He's also that short. intro. I'm not very tall. <laughs> <laughs> And just a reminder, if you love what you're listening to with these guys, Brad and all the Art of War coaches are available at theartofwar40k.com for coaching. So just recall the previous episode that we recounted yet another defeat at the hands of Dark Angels. And this time, those Dark Angels were under the control of, I don't remember his name. I got a... Mr. Thomas Ogden. <laughs> Mr. Thomas, sorry, Thomas. If we recall, Justin's Chaos List brought the ever-massive Raptor gunship, which I had no clue what it did before this recording, Morty a horde of blight lords, and he didn't quite manage to quell the ever-growing threat. Brad, what is your biggest takeaway from y'all's retelling of the game yesterday? <laughs> from from the finals game where Mr. Curtis lost was is that we I want to talk about the movement and I want to talk about the secondaries. Uh, basically, one of the biggest things, of course, we're looking for in this podcast is what can we do better the next time we play that match or any match? So we really want to focus on those really fine-tuned movements, things that we could do to make us better and to win more, a bigger percentage, since I'm a math nerd about it, more efficiently each and every time. So what was your bomb? We got to know, Justin. I have to know. What is oh, your man. big bomb you're about to drop on us here? Oh, so uh, I, I forgot to tell Bradley at the event because I didn't, didn't want to make him feel bad. Uh, that was my first ever game against Dark Eldar. <laughs> I've never liked you, and I, I never have, will. I have not played a test game. I have not played a practice game. I have played zero games against Dark By Eldar. By the way, this is how much my <laughs> wife actually likes Curtis. Usually oh, she basically her. tells me to stab whoever, anybody I've ever lost to. And I was like, <laughs> I lost to Curtis. And she's like, well, that kind of sucks, but I do miss Curtis. I was like, what the hell, man? What's going <laughs> on here? Oh, I love Brit. I Wait, Brad, you, you lost that game, though? Mm-hmm. Sigh. It is true. So much sigh. Oh, uh, yeah. That was that was my very first one. Like nobody around here plays them. I have nobody to test with. Like, hold on. To be fair, I then put a thunderous amount of points up to then get second after he lost. I know. Yeah, I dropped all the way to fifth. Well, Justin, let's dig in what you learned about the event and what you plan to kind of adapt to deal with the the Dark Angels. Well, let's let's talk those secondaries first, Justin. I really I wanted to go into a little bit yeah. of because I thought you made a few you know a few errors on the secondary picks, you know, myself, and the fact that I thought you could have scored uh, a lot differently um, if you would have chosen a little bit you know a little bit more efficiently, I guess, for that particular mission. What was what would you think about? now if you had to play that again what what would you think secondary was oh 100 percent. you have to take assassinate into that like especially knowing now that he's going to use the talent masters as a scoring tool like they're going to split off on their own go for objectives like assassinate's just out there like you can just grab free assassinate points all day like even if i play a little cagier and i don't crack the big pile of characters at the beginning like the talent masters are six points that are just walking around the board there was no reason whatsoever to take grind into that. Like he's just as tanky as I am almost at least like it's hard to kill singular units out of that. Like you're talking about 
bike squads where if you kill all but one, oh, look, one's back to life because an apothecary. Like, I think in the whole game, other than his characters, I think I killed two squads. So, like, so grind was horrendous, whereas on assassinate, I think I would have got 12. So if you go back and take, you know, assassinate, engage, and maybe even data intercept, do you, you know what I mean? I, I think that the game... Yeah, using the rubrics for intercept, yeah. Correct. It, could have been hugely different. And we'll kind of back up that up into, that ties into the movement aspect itself, because I was thinking about your game and I was, because I got to watch a lot of it, <laughs> the, the uh, if you would have gone to either flank, taken data intercept, taken the assassinate, and pushed up with uh, warp timing that Terminator squad, and basically saying these two objectives, either top or bottom or mine, do you think that could have changed the game significantly? Uh, or were there other things that you would have had to do at that point? No, it's it's absolutely the right call. And that is that is what I do in most games. Uh, maybe not most games, but that's that's what led to the design of the list, I should say. Like, everybody sees a list with Mortarian souped in with chaos for warp time. And they assume that's the whole thing. You just you throw Mortarian across the board. And even back in 6th, 7th, and 8th when I started doing this, like, it's it's never been about Mortarian to the degree that people think it is. Mortarian is very rarely what I would call a win condition. Like if we're talking about like Magic the Gathering, like M Morty's not your win condition. In this list, when I was playing pure Death Guard, I wasn't losing because Mortarian wasn't making combat. That's that's the one big difference between 9th edition Mortarian and 7th, 8th edition Mortarian is he can stand in the middle of the board for a turn and survive against just about anything. He finally has that capability. However, I was losing because I've got 400 points of Terminators supported by 250 points of characters that move five inches a turn and are just standing in the middle of the board going, God, I hope somebody comes and lets us get a charge off because otherwise we're never getting anywhere. In most games, those Terminators are running and warp timing on turn one. Like that's, that's the whole point of putting warp time into the list for me. Like it's not a Mortarian thing. It is a Terminator thing. Now, as far as the, the Warlord trait for Morty, did you think that it would be more powerful? For instance, in our game, I actually found it very difficult. Uh, you got you cornered me a little bit with Mortarian and got a few more units than you than I normally would just running away from him uh, because of the half movement. Or and then you took the no reroll with Glooming Bloat um, against the Dark Angels. Do you think you would have been better served to do a similar thing, or do you think that he would have moved away from you too fast where it wouldn't have mattered? Yeah, much? and in that one, I I think it was fine. And Marines are just so much more reroll focused than Dark Eldar. And the rerolls they get are more relevant to Mortarian himself. Plus, Dark Angels have so many additional forms of movement, especially Ravenwing. Like, I, there was no way I was ever going to keep him in one spot. Between their stratagems to move extra distance and the pregame move, there's, there's just no way I can box him into a corner the way I can even Dark Eldar just by getting into them with the, the half-movement aura. It, it was never going to happen in that matchup. So effectively, we, we think we, we basically could do better secondaries and the better push. Now, how do you feel about that matchup in the, in the, in the future? Like if you were going to play that again, you know what I mean? You're just like, you played yeah. it once, you saw it, your, your opponent might have had a little bit of a, a one-up because he, the, uh, he might have had a, a guy telling him where to go and not to go. <laughs> uh, so into the match, uh, I don't know who. I mean, it was probably some bum. that that's Some very, rando off the street. Some guy that's really good at telling other people how to play and sometimes does weird stuff himself. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I, we, I think regardless, I, 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 I put a lot of thought into it. And I think that's just going to be a bad matchup for me. Like the 
the mobile Melta in an army that is like, because a lot of people are doing the multi Melta attack bikes. That is a common thing now. Like, White Scars can do it really effectively. Like, that is bad for me because I'm paying 400 points for a plane. And realistically, there's no way to keep it safe on turn one if I don't go first. Like, that's going to be bad for me no matter what. But a lot of times, they don't have the mobility beyond that. Or at least shooting-based sure. mobility. I, I, I get that. But if you did the same thing again, if you took out most yeah. of those bikes, but then you played it... you Basically, if you played the same mission you went in, and you said, I'm now warp-timing those... Those yeah. Terminators, I'm taking those bottom two objectives. Do you think you could flip that over? Because I feel and, like at one point in time, uh, the game itself looked like you were just like, ugh, I, I made a couple mistakes, and now it's... <laughs> it's No, because a lot of us do. That's the same thing yeah, that happened. No, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it, it happened in tons of games. That's why we, we do I the podcast. I once played against a guy who got so tilted he just threw 200 cultists into Mortarians. God damn it. Why does half, like literally half of my games that have went awry <laughs> happen against you? I love it. <laughs> what did, Justin, going, just thinking about secondaries, how much did you actually end up losing by? Oh, a lot. I think I lost by 60 or 65. Yeah, like it was a real bad loss. So yeah, they weren't, they weren't necessarily relevant here, but, uh, but no, I always tell no, people really, sitting at the it, table. If you, I mean, if you did what we talked about do, though, yeah. it would have cascaded though, because what yeah. I thought happened is, is, in watching the game, you know, from afar, you know, easily I can see, you know, every, I can clearly <laughs> see every move that could be made when I'm not playing, you know what I mean? I'm looking at it, but I'm watching the game and because of a few secondary choices and that initial not moving those Terminators up, all of a sudden the, the mission and the secondaries got away. And we've, like I said, we've all had those games where you, you choose a bad secondary and, or you make one, uh, big movement phase that gets you know away from you, and then the game can start to spin away. You know what I mean? It goes from a game that can be very tight, very hard to play, to a game that's like, uh, if I need that turn back effectively. Exactly. Yeah. And the the issue, uh, one of the biggest issues with my army is it is genuinely awful at secondaries. Like I said, like there's almost never a good third secondary for me to pick. Like, yeah, I'm almost always in on engage um, against certain armies grind is an option but like in that game it shouldn't have been it's it suffers on secondaries because i have so few scoring units and then i've got like the pox walkers who can't even perform actions like the the scary thing about taking like data intercept to like a an action-based secondary is i have 10 models in my army that can do data intercept <laughs> like i can usually keep one of those rubric squads alive but if I can't, they're, then I'm zeroed. Like, that's that's basically it. Because, like, on turn one, you're normally getting, like, two or three on data intercept. And then what if he kills both rubrics? And now I'm in real, real, real bad news. You said your army plays primary super well. And, and exactly. I, I, could see how, I could see how it does. But, like, if you look at this specific one where, like, you have these, like, super spread out six objectives. And you're playing, like, I think, you know, outside of, like, Eldar or Harlequins, like, one of the fastest armies in the game. How do you kind of adjust for that? Like, because you're you're still slow when it, at the end of the day. The you funny know? thing is, is the Dark Angels army. If you bring all Ravenwing, is actually way faster. It's so fast, yeah. Than, yeah. than the Dark Elder. Or like the, the Elder. base movement on those Talonmasters is like sixteen or eighteen or something. 18, like yeah. And then like twenty one on turn one. Like they're Jeez. crazy fast. Yeah, they can they can move twice. Fast. They can pregame move. They they have everything. Which is why I was looking at that. Like like in that game, I just think that you. I actually in in my mind. It's a tough matchup, but I think that if you had changed, changed those secondaries and changed that one movement, I actually think that that 
puts the pressure back on your opponent as opposed to you trying to play catch up. I'll say my my interpretation of that is I think if it's a five objective game, I, I think I can win. Like because what I can do is the Terminators can basically protect two objectives. Like they can make it where you just can't come near these two objectives. Mortarian can usually project combat onto a third, like make it at least where you're not going to long term hold a third objective. And then my backfield is weak. It just is. But if I can, if I can make three lockdown like that, I can win a five objective game, obviously. Whereas in a six objective game, especially a max spread six objective game like that, I don't think I'm ever going to win against that list. Like even if I play it perfectly, because I know Thomas is pretty much going to play it perfectly. I think I at some point lose my backfield to those vengeance speeders, the rubrics. I I think at some point they're going to get them and there's not much I can do about it. And that's why I said I probably should have shot at them turn one with the fire raptor. I think at some point I lose my backfield to the vengeance speeders and then I lose a close game. What would you what would you tech in? Like if you is there something you could think of that would be like, all right, well, I could tech in X, Y, or Z, and then these six mission spread out like objectives, I could maybe play a little better. That's always a an interesting question for my list because as Brad knows, my lists are usually like 400 500 point blocks of thing that do yeah. thing really well and that's <laughs> well, it he, he brings the anti-brad list which yeah. I, I literally start like twitching and clawing at my face <laughs> like, a little bit i'm like my army is three things here we yeah. go let's see if those three things table you like that's what i've played forever <laughs> now and i think i'm pretty good at it like i'm again one of my favorite stories to this day is at the height of the castellan meta which to my in my opinion is the worst of the metas we've had since playtesting began uh, the height of the castle. Let's say since, since playtesting. You don't have to go into the days. Yeah, so. no, let's not go back to dark 7th edition days. Yeah. <laughs> I show up at Nova, and Nanavati says, what kind of moron would play Magnus and Mortarian in the castle and meta? And I look at him, and I go, I would table you in three turns. And he goes, yes, you would. And he walks away, because <laughs> he was playing a counter-army at the time. But that's that's just what I play. So when it comes to tweaks, in my opinion, this army can't really be tweaked. Like, I, I have to disassemble it. The pieces The pieces work together and rely on each other to such a degree like i could i could swap out 100 points here and there but in an army like chaos you don't get anything well, for 100 let's points let's talk about that just a little bit moving forward you know yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is is that you know thinking about things now with a uh, a hot topic like people trolling me about a fire raptor but the thing about the fire raptor is it's very hot and cold so Oh yeah. Is it? Do you think that it's for you? Is it worth? I understand a hundred percent where the concept is, is because you need to take out those transports. You need to basically have something that can go back and reliably pick up those squads that you can't see when a lot of the chaos ways to do indirect are not going to be worth it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Point wise. So I, I get it. And, and and from somebody that went second against you and had my transports basically set on fire that I could never use them ever again. You had killed them so bad. I'm pretty sure uh, that they works like that. It's just one of those things where occasionally it's just going to get popped out. Would it be better yeah, to have more, just more things they could shoot downfield? Or do you like the, still like that fire after play? I, I like the fire raptor in that list. Like me and me and my chaos opponent. Uh, what was his name? Um, Gilbert. Um, he, we had a long talk about it because he was playing Leviathans, which Leviathans, Contemptors, Volkites. Those are those are the big thing right now for chaos players for shooting because chaos shooting options are notoriously awful. My problem is a dreadnought, especially on the current tables and the current meta. A dreadnought never gets to choose when it shoots at something. People give themselves to be shot at by a dreadnought. Like 
it moves like eight inches and it's on a 60 mil base and it can't go through terrain. Like it's never coming and getting you. It's, it's standing there waiting for something to come to the firing lane. Now it in comparison can hide itself. It can wait for those options, but against something like dark Eldar, when are you ever going to get a beneficial trade into dark Eldar with a Volkite contemptor? In my opinion, like if somebody plays that, if you bring in a lot of Raiders, you will, they're, they're big. They got some big booties. They will stick out from the terrain. So yeah, yeah, here and there. Yeah, I I'd much rather have the capability at, at the very minimum. Even in a case like that, you're then shooting at their least favorite raider. Let's say you're shooting at the one with the cabalites in it or something. <laughs> <I love O-U-K-K>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I, what did I kill on turn one? I got the one with your racks in it. <laughs> <laughs> you find out who the archon actually likes. Yeah, that it's like, time. yeah, you're like, oh, I might lose one on turn one to a Volkite contemptor, but it's never going to be with the one with the racks in it because I'm going to put it inside Fort Knox. And we, we no one likes Bill. <laughs> yeah, like, shoot at this guy, please. Yeah, like I get to choose when the shooting happens. What are your other options that have have come in that the fire raptor replaced? Uh, like I said, I was originally playing a uh, plague burst crawlers because that's that's our indirect fire. Unless you go for uh, what's it called the the whirlwind from Forge World, which is now awful. I own one of those. Uh, but uh, yeah, plague burst crawlers are, does are upsetting. <laughs> like I I wish plague burst crawlers were better than they are, but D six shots is just so unreliable. Um, even at strength eight, three roll ones, like all that, all that good stuff. Like it, I just can't deal with that number of shots. Um, and the, the list is very short. Like other than that, you're talking about like deep striking to, to take out corner objective holders. Um, but you've already got, I tell you the truth. Uh, one of the best moves, we didn't talk about it in the beginning of the podcast, but the ability for you, we didn't really talk about it, but the, with the uh, cult of duplicity, the fact that you can bounce those rumors yeah. around is actually something that I did want to mention. So I, and, I could go, unfortunately, because I only play chaos and I, I'd, I'd love to do a bit about like, uh, maybe I should come on one of Nick's other shows. Uh, I should, uh, <laughs> like I, 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 people always talk about like chasing the meta. Like I've always, always, always played chaos and like people come to me like, Oh, and they're like, Oh, it's really cool. You always play chaos. Like you could go chase the meta. And like I'm not doing like some selfless thing. Like I don't have a bunch of chaos tattoos on my body. Like like I shout out to <laughs> Kenny Boucher, who is a cool dude and does have chaos tattoos on his body. But that's not how I look at it. I look at it from a competitive standpoint. Like I've only ever played chaos because I think I wouldn't be good at meta chasing. I'd much rather be the best guy playing the weird stuff than the third best guy playing Iron Hands. Like that's that's just how I look at it. So we're getting back to where we were. I could talk for a really long time about why those rubrics are there and the evolution of how I got to a fire raptor because I've put way too much thought into it. <laughs> but I, I like the rubric. The thing is, is that the, the fact that for everybody listening on this, you can take those rubrics and you can put them every turn in. You can move them as a deep strike. Yeah, just say to jump. Everybody knows what yeah, to jump is to jump. Yeah, and they can teleport. To jumping those yeah. guys around the, the board, that... It, like for instance, you're an eye game, and the game yes. you get chances of that is a great thing. Those guys are MVPs a lot of times because of the fact that they can take out those little remnants of small units. They, sure, they also mm-hmm. more so than just picking up small remnants, which again is a huge deal to an army where your pieces are 400 plus points, and you can't afford that to go kill one witch. Like on top of that, they shore up my lack of primary scoring. Like I have three troop units and none of them are getting anywhere other than that teleporting like it's the old tau problem where tau table you and they lose on primary like back when that was a thing like because they couldn't leave their own deployment zones like so what if mortarian or a fire raptor clear an objective i don't have anybody to go hold that objective and it's not like mortarian can spend the rest of the game standing there instead i just teleport in a unit of rubrics 
and they yeah. can do actions and stuff once you get exactly. in there. They're like right. kind of dragon yeah. monkeys. Well, I wanted to bring those up because of the fact that I thought they're it, you've got all these big pieces, but I actually think that those are like the glue that holds a lot of that together. Well, and that's not options. the biggest reason they're there. the The biggest reason they're there, and again, this goes deep into me thinking about this too much, and the that I have a perceived potential weakness in chaos mirrors. The reason I'm playing two rubrics and paying, I think, ninety points for each squad. It's gross, but that's what they cost. Um, rather than just playing like a unit of cultists or something, the reason they're there is that that gives me access to the plus two to cast stratagem. Like that is the whole reason. If you have three thousand sun psychers next to each other, you can do the plus two to cast stratagem, and that is the only way I will ever get death hex off in a chaos mirror because Armin will be casting on plus three. That's the only way I have access to it, and that's the only reason there's two units of rubrics. Well, that's Makes a big sense. deal in that too, though, because in the in not even just the mirror on that, but if you're playing into Marines, you're playing into oh yeah, where you need a reliable ethics. Yeah, with a storm shield, you're looking at a unit of Vanguard vets. You're looking yeah, at and the teleport becomes <clears throat> relevant there too. Like I've I've literally had chaos matches where it's like oh my unit of rubrics is way over there, and they literally teleport to Aramin and then use the plus two to cast stratagem. Like it's an amazing piece of tech to have access to. Yeah, you've got a lot of a lot of a lot of tech in there. That's one of the things I wanted to bring up with was the rubrics because I actually thought they were. It's funny because they look like no big deal. He has these troop squads in, but I think that those are huge in your tech pieces. Now, in that, what are the other tech pieces that you you feel yeah. are in the army? And now, obviously, you have a huge tech piece, which is your fire raptor. <laughs> but those, I, I really thought that those rubrics were such a big deal because. My, I played against you myself, and they thought they were literally the difference. But I watched a couple of the other games that you played, where you you know you were moving around, getting a lot more points than I think your opponents thought you were going to get. Um, what other tech pieces are in that army, or th- just not even just say tech pieces, but the way that you use them? Yeah, um, move forward to tell people exactly how you're making it work in that army. <clears throat> so that's that's the same kind of thing I was getting into, like and it. It actually kind of comes back to the, what I was telling people about the Fire Raptor to a degree. Like the the guy I played against in the Chaos match, uh, he was talking. He was like, "I think these Leviathans are better than a Fire Raptor." Like, I think my list is better. And I was like, "100 percent, a Leviathan Dreadnought or two Leviathan Dreadnoughts are better than a Fire Raptor." Like, if you want to sit down and do a spreadsheet or talk about efficiency, et cetera, et cetera, they are legitimately better units. Rubrics are legitimately bad units. Like, there's not much to say otherwise. But, and this gets back to what I was saying earlier about me only playing these kinds of armies, I've played this army and this type of army for so long, I know exactly what it needs to win. Like, there are times where you have to take a subpar unit if it's the thing you need to win. Like, you can even go back to, like, uh, when Guard were big, Bulgrins were good. Like, Bulgrins were never a top-tier assault unit if you put them into a spreadsheet, but Guard needed a counter-assault unit. So they can overpay for it. That's what I'm doing. I'm overpaying to get the specific pieces I need to win these games because I've played this army a hundred thousand times, and I therefore know the specific pieces I need. Like that, those rubrics, like they give me so much. Like it's not just the plus two to cast. It's not just mobility. It's also in a going first against a bunch of Meltas or even Dark Lances. They cast the five up invul power on the plane normally. Um, I didn't have that option when I was playing against Thomas uh, because they were busy raising a banner, which conflicts, and that's why I should have done it on Armin, but oh well. But they have that ability. That's what they start the game with. They start the game with Weaver of Fates. The whole goal, give the plane a five-up invul. 
the teleporting, just having access to powers after Morter or after Armin dies. Like there, there are situations in my Chaos Mirror. Armin got sniped by Mor by uh, Mortal Wounds because he had a uh, he had the Super Chicken with plus one damage, and he had the Thousand Suns Demon Prince with plus one damage. Armin comes out, gets a Death Hex off, dies. Like late game, do you know what an amazing piece of tech is? If you got two command points laying around and they think you don't have warp time right now, well, you teleport the uh, the rubrics over next to Mortarian. You spend a command point to swap their smite for warp time. You spend a command point so they can cast another power. Guess what? You just teleported warp time to Mortarian. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. That's that's a late game thing that I've caught people with. Where they're like, oh, I killed Armin. No more worrying about warp time. It's gone now. Nope. Just teleport, cast it anyways. Like, the rubrics give me a bucket of options just by their access to the Thousand Sun stratagems. Justin, I have I have kind of a, the elephant in the room, I think, and I think a lot of people listening might agree. I, I really want to know the Fire Raptor. I want to know, like, <laughs> what you did to Brad with it. I want to know what you did to Justin with it. Like, walk me through, like, a so, round of that thing shooting. So, first off, the... It's too soon. Too the, soon. <laughs> yeah, rip the Band-Aid off. The uh, I'll, I'll say real quick the short version of how I got to this fire raptor, um, and then I'll explain how what I did to Brad with it. It's very violent. Um, what I identified <laughs> and again, this, <laughs> this is pre Dark Eldar meta. Again, I keep people keep saying, "Oh man, a dark a fire raptor actually is a good response to Dark Eldar meta." No, this is three months ago. Um, what I identified that made me start thinking about it after Sam and me got it nerfed. Um, what I what I try to explain to people is that Space Marines, when we were in a Space Marine meta, Space Marines don't pay for their counter-assault. Space Marines just are counter-assault. Like, if you pressure a Space Marine army, like, let's say even another Space Marine army, like, let's say they have a tank in their backfield and you want to shoot at it with your multi-melted attack bike, so you got to go deep, you got to shoot at it from 24 inches away, their front line will counter-assault you for free. They don't have to be assault units. They just are Marines. They have the stat line for it. They have a bunch of chain swords or something. Their characters have cool special weapons. They do it for free. So when you get close to them and pressure them, you're aiming efficiency to their army by letting them assault you. Like, that's just how it is. Unless you're coming at them with an assault unit that outweighs them, you're, gain you're giving them efficiency by getting close to them. However, at some point, everyone stopped playing all their flying assault units, with the exception of Vanguard veterans. They just went away. Like, nobody's playing flying assault units right now. It's Blade Guard vets... It's uh, like fiends and capers of secrets in the chaos army. Now it's all this dark Eldar stuff short of hellions. And I was like, well, I can park a fire raptor in someone's backfield and they still have to shoot at it. Like they can't get it for free. I'm not giving them that efficiency. And that works to a degree with Mortarian with the Terminators, because not only do you still have to shoot at it, but you have to shoot at it with the same kind of weapons you want to shoot at Mortarian. So even if it goes over and dies, it gained me efficiency in keeping Mortarian or the Terminators alive. Like, it, it's not a gimme. Like, it, it requires resources to be committed to it to remove it. And if you don't remove that it, That makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah, like, that's, that's where I'm coming from on that. Um, but yes, against Brad, going in from the night before, my goal was to kill two raiders. And if I kill three raiders, I'm like, I win running away. But if I kill two raiders, I think I'm safe. And that's exactly what I did. And Brad deployed, in my opinion, perfectly. <laughs> Brad deployed on one side, he's got his three raiders, including the good raider, the rack raider. And on the other <laughs> side, he has raiders. two raiders, the good raider. He has two raiders and the hellions. Uh, I'll say maybe the Hellions should have been a little farther back, like maybe behind the Raiders instead of in front of the Raiders. But uh, slightly on that, I wanted to pull you in and I wanted to leave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually 
in my deployment, in my the 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 one goof, the the big goof that I did originally was in my mind. You took gloaming bloat, and I just left. Yeah, like Brad thought I was going to take the no reroll strategy or the no reroll contagion because Mortarian gets to pick at game time, which is an amazing piece of tech as well. Um, I took the half movement contagion, and. However, Brad has Poison Tongue, so he can redeploy. And I assume you guys have probably had that discussion between you and Lennon and Nick and Siegler a thousand times. Yep. But the upside on Poison Tongue is he can just leave. Like, he doesn't have to be there anymore when the game starts. So where I want, at all costs, I want Mortarian to be killing Raiders. That's all I want. However, he's got three on one side and two on the other side. So if I commit Mortarian to a direction that is just Raiders, they can just leave. And now Mortarian's doing nothing. Let's say, and then I was going to flee. Exactly. So, however, there were Hellions in front of the Raiders. And obviously, on the flip side, all I want, if, if all I want is for Mercury to be killing Raiders, on the flip side, all I want is the Fire Raptor to be killing Hellions, because it has 24 heavy bolter shots that hit on twos. <laughs> like, it's just infinite amount of Raiders getting picked up, or Hellions getting picked up. Um, but the Hellions are the only thing on the board that cannot be Poison Tongue redeployed. So my only play is to deploy Mortarian in a position where his closest assault is the Hellions. I'm like, that's, I have to take the guarantee. Which is also why I went with that in my trade, is I had the Hellions there because I wanted to make it so that you couldn't shoot them with those good heavy boulder shots. Yeah. Unfortunately, every single one of my raiders that died apparently had some sort of <laughs> bomb inside of it. Because they all, there was a little, this is, this is the ultimate shoving, like putting a, just a salt to the wound. I'm sitting on an objective with two, two, uh, OPSEC units and he blows up the Raider. It explodes as they apparently all do. And it killed all the OPSEC that was taking the objective from him. He had, he had two Cabalites and I think two racks left. I I had three and five. But oh, they, they they didn't die from the because you had to split attack so much. Yeah, they, they didn't. They wouldn't have died except for the explosion. <laughs> and I'm oh just standing God. here looking at you, and you're like, Sad. "Yeah, that happens all the time. Just move them along, <laughs> Brad." I'm like, "It does not happen all the time." Pick them up. Pick them up. <laughs> but yeah, so I I split the fire on the fire raptor. Uh, Mortarian helped me out. Mortarian got three wounds through, so I shoot Mortarian first, shooting at a line of uh, of raiders. I got one through, so I do three damage to one. And now that one is damaged, uh, in my mind, it changes the math enough where I can probably pick one up with the secondary guns from the Fire Raptor. So I shoot the missiles at the damaged one and everything else at the one with the racks in it. Uh, The missiles go through, finish off the damaged one, and the billion, billion shots from the Fire Raptor kill the one with the racks in it. So I got a full unit of Hellions and two Raiders on turn one, which is... Well, you basically actually, what I expected. Yeah. Well, you got basically effectively almost three because I think I can't remember what else you shot with it. But one of them was, had like I, I shot all like the bolters into one. And one of them something. had I think it had four wounds left. Yeah, yeah. it was it was busted. That was <laughs> the was, one that I failed to kill on turn two though. That was the one that I was mad about. I thought that was going to lose me the game. So does it take all all thirty plus of those uh, heavy bolter equivalent shots to take out a take out one raider? No, no. but that's one of those things you don't want to be careful about. Right, like that's right. that's yeah, the thing we talk about. We're like, if you need true. if you need a unit to be dead, you put three units to kill it. Like yeah, <laughs> you don't you, let you, dice you lose. Be greedy because it's a standard deviation on three or not. Uh, he should yeah. always pick up two. Yeah, and that's why like, that's when you see people talk about you know the oh my dice failed me blah 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 it's like no you probably should have mitigated those odds somehow you know and exactly he made it he made a super really really smart choices he went first and and made some great choices and he did them most of his games with it the the game that you you lost i actually thought you made 
uh, not optimal, not even not like bad. Call me stupid, and he doesn't want to do it. Just say, <laughs> well, I know I would call you stupid when I think you do stupid <laughs> stuff. I thought you made non-optimal plays. Oh no, definitely, definitely. Because I thought that the second we talked about the secondaries and the movement, but I feel like I think those all go together. Once you make a mistake or two, it's the same in, in the game with us. I made uh, a, a hard commitment that I shouldn't have made. And because I made that, I got stuck with that commitment. Yeah. So, you like, I'll, <clears throat> I think if we if we jump back for a moment to the game against Tom, I I think what you're saying is correct. But I I still think I only win that game if Tom then makes a mistake because what I'm the way I look at it, and maybe he would have. The way I look at it is, it's good for me if Tom castles up, and I think most. To be honest, I think most Marine players would make that mistake. I think if they see Mortarian standing in the middle of the board, not aggressing i think they will castle in their re-rolls and they will shoot everything they have at him i think that's a mistake though right the thing that's my thing is is that i i sure. felt that if but you the th- my thing is is that when we were looking over the the deployment the secondaries yeah. the deployment everything like that though you make those moves and you do that and then all of a sudden you're taking your opponent because we don't know if tom would have made any mistakes because he didn't have to because yeah didn't i didn't i didn't give him the opportunity to mess up correct <laughs> that, that, that's kind of my point we're moving yeah. on is in learning from that game is and, and the whole reason that we have this cast is going in, moving in that game is pushing your opponent, not letting him play in a safe zone. You know what I mean? Where he doesn't have opportunities because you ask him more questions, he has more opportunities to get exactly. give you the wrong answer. My my path to victory is getting him to not use his own mobility against himself. Like if he if he sticks all together, shoots at me, then the terminators will get into him on turn two, and it's sad from that point out. Um, but yeah, again, I think if he plays perfectly, I lose, but I, I didn't make him even have to think about it. Yeah. Because I was looking at that game and I I actually thought that with you going first, if you pick up the, you pick up the attack bikes, you warp time the, the terminators and you effectively push the terminators very, very hard to one flank. We're again, talking about vital intelligence. So you can either choose, you know, two up or two down, you know, whichever way you win, uh, would have made it very difficult for him, uh, moving on because you also threaten uh, so much more, you know what I the mean? The other thing I gained by going down that short edge, like if I if I cut off that short edge with the Terminators and Mortarian, like it gives me another place to safely put a unit of rubrics. Like they can just teleport over there on turn two. Whereas what happened was on turn two, that obsec bike squad with the Meltas had turbo boosted over there, so there was nowhere for me to even put a unit of rubrics on an objective. Right, because then you can then you, if you chose vital, then you can start doing vital in exactly. that area. Like I, I had no like never three go of my again. scoring okay. units were standing in my own backfield, yeah. except the one that got toasted on the corner. They yeah. were standing there going, "What do we do now?" Yeah, because if you would have just put those rubrics around the basically the no fly zone of all the terminators and characters with Mortarian slightly in front, yeah. all of a sudden you're like, "Yeah, I'm never going here." Yeah, I think I overplayed because, again, I don't normally look at Mortarian as a win condition is the way I phrase it. There are games where he is like uh, in the super hard assault armies like Blood Angels, maybe like he can become a win condition. I think in that game, I should have played him more as a win condition. Like if I put him midfield and uh, kill uh, still kill some attack bikes, just accept the plane's going to die no matter what his uh, his other shooting. That's not the Meltas like the Landspeeder Vengeances. They aren't that good against Mortarian. Like the Meltas are what'll kill Mortarian, and even they won't do it super reliably because he's Mortarian. But like the Landspeeder Vengeances are really inefficient against him. Like if I if I put him in the middle of the board and go, please shoot at him, then a lot of people make that mistake. They just do. Do you feel like I mean we talked about it on the previous episode? Do you feel like you had almost like a mental block after that first round when when you realized like, oh man, that was a mistake? Is there is there 
I mean, that's hard to overcome for any player. Do you feel like maybe that happened a little bit to you? It with my army, it's kind of a mental block and a uh, simultaneously you have no scoring units left. <laughs> like right. normally, by the time I mess up with my army, I've also just completely lost the capability to win the game because again, my my scoring units are two five man rubrics and a fifteen man pox walker, and everything else in my army is literally in a pile around those those terminators. Like that that terminator blob is literally four. It's four hundred points for the terminators, and then Armin, a chaos lord, a foul blight spawn, a tallyman, and a biologus. Like there's 780 something points there in that pile. So like after I lose my scoring units, I know the game is over and I can just start throwing dice in the air and singing songs. Like it no longer matters. Like once I mess up, like, and that's how it is with these armies. And again, I've played these for a long time. When you mess up with these armies where you're playing three super elite units, you lose hard and you know it. I think that's also like a, you know, a strategy, you know, like uh, not, not in that particular, but you know, like when you go in and you're making a list, you know that, you know, I might have a matchup where I need to dodge it in order to win this event. Oh yeah. I think a lot of people have that right now. Like there's, there's a lot of things like even dark Eldar. And I, I'm glad I put my money where my mouth is. Cause I've been telling people, I don't, I don't think dark Eldar are the hype that it is currently. Like people are getting a little too into it. I've like, been saying that and I've been I, playing I know. them. <laughs> well, you, yeah, you've been playing them. So you look like a dirt bag. I've been saying it and then I beat you. So I look like a hero. Well, you beat Brad. You beat Brad. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my oh God, okay. I hate all of you. <laughs> Put up a banner. Just make a t-shirt. Put up a banner. <laughs> Scrub. Uh, 2021 I always, I always make the joke i think i i think i'm the only person on the playtest team that doesn't uh that doesn't have a podcast or a website or a youtube so i i guess i'll have to launch my coaching service now just how to beat brad chester <laughs> that's it that's <laughs> The best part about it is I could I literally could run the rest of 2021 and people will still harass me about yeah. this. I'm I that was my only goal in going to this tournament. Like <laughs> I just want all the listeners to harass you on it. I want this to be a recurrent <laughs> theme now. The time Justin beat Brad, you know, this that's I, I'm currently three and oh against Brad. We we talked back. I, I've never lost to this this nice, nice oh, man we, here. We will not count the time that I tested a game uh-huh. for one of oh, us. Oh, that was a test list for Ganyo. Get Ganyo on the line. We will. Well, like, Brad, do you have any other questions for Justin today? I do have one in this. Going Ooh. forward on these Dark Angels matches and other difficult matches on that, what basically, and what did you, what is your takeaway? You know what I mean? We talked yeah, about a like couple we, things. We, we momentarily like, talked about like, how would I change the list? And I basically said I can't because it right. all but it like, all is one cohesive piece. Play style though. You know, yeah. The what, that you what I went, so as most of us do after we lose a game, I went into the lab that night. I was, it was like 3 a.m. And I was like writing new lists. The, the thing I want that I think would work better against speed, which is my Achilles heel right now is mobility. Um, Chaos has some good reactionary deep strike pieces that I think I could get use out of. But again, this is an entirely different list. But what I was looking into was uh, uh, I was looking into some Emperor's Children stuff. Um, those like five man Lightning Claw Terminator drops that can basically guarantee a charge for like 140. Like nice. yeah. I, I was like, that's the kind of thing that you want going into like, oh, well, there's some Hellions in the corner or there's a land speeder over here you can't deal with. Like I, that's like I said, that's a whole new list, but that's where my mind was the night after. Like I, again, chaos doesn't have access to shooting. I just played a tournament list where I paid 400 points for a fire after to get some shooting. But what chaos does do well is reactionary deep strike. I just have to find a list where it works. And that's where I'm at right now. Cool. And the thing is, is that I'm not going to lie. I, none of us want to lose the games, but like both of us, I like I called Justin on the way home, <laughs> so yeah. right after this, and we were talking <laughs> about 
things that both of us, you know, what could you do differently? And it, hence the reason for this cast itself is I do think that some of the best ideas, best everything come from recognizing your mistakes, be it in list building, be it in play, yeah, and going forward. Because I looked, I looked at one of two. You know, I mean, I, I made a movement error, and I also think that I could adjust a few things in my list. And we were talking about the same thing with his, and I, I love that. And I feel that literally every guys, every time you're, you know, you lose a game, look at it. Whether you rolled only ones or your opponent only rolled sixes, there's still somewhere in there that you could have changed something that would have given you a better chance, no matter what. Yeah, when when Brad and Nick, our, our dear friend Nicholas Nanavati, when he, when they pitched me this, and I wasn't aware this podcast existed yet, I was like, oh well, that's that makes sense because we we've all met the guy at like Vegas who lives in the middle of nowhere and has never lost a game of 40k before. And we're like, oh, okay. Well, and then me. he just he gets the boots put to him in round one and is like, oh, also okay. Me. It's like, that's the point. You have to lose to learn. So this this so actually much. makes a lot of sense. So, Justin, thanks so much for coming on, man. You've been an absolute delight. We're going to have to bring you on again when you <laughs> hopefully don't lose. I don't I, know. I, you know, you know what I mean. Like, if, this, if this is a one-loss <laughs> podcast, I will be on here a lot. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. And thanks, Brad, for joining us again, as always. Fantastic. And uh, just make sure you check out, I'm going to get it right this time, theartofwar40k.com. If you have any questions, concerned, any feedback for me, Brad, any of the hosts, Nick, email me at blake at theartofwar40k.com. So proud of you. And make sure to join us for episode four. And thanks for listening. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War and the Art of War Down Under podcast on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.